Welcome to another episode of Shoot the Takedown with myself, Costa Rossi, alongside John Hobbs. On this episode, we have the pleasure of interviewing pro featherweight Olga Rubin. First of all, thank you so much for joining us today, Olga. Um, can you just tell thank us... Thank you for bit... having me. It's always a pleasure. Can you just tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming a professional MMA fighter and how that came about? Uh, yeah, that's a long story. <laughs> well, um, I started when I was 23, uh, at 23 years old. And uh, I saw this video of a uh, strike force fight between uh, Ronda Rousey and Misha Tate. And I kind of decided that I really want to try this out. And it was, I think, 2014 or 13, something like that. And um, I started training immediately started doing some jiu-jitsu fights and decided that I want to go pro MMA. But um, my first shot was for Bellator uh, when they came to Israel in 2016. And I was six months postpartum after having my kid. So um, this was uh, the beginning, we can say. And the rest is history. I've just started um, fighting and training all the time professionally. Great. And um, how would you best describe your fighting style and what would you say your biggest strengths are if you were to self-analyze? Uh, I would say I'm very aggressive. Um, I got really good cage uh, wrestling and uh, ground and pound. I'm working constantly on new things to improve. I just got my purple belt in jiu-jitsu. Uh, and I really like uh, punching. <laughs> Great. And um, another one which is, I'd imagine, quite difficult now with um, just wondering how you juggle all the traveling, because I know you're based in Israel, but um, you also team up with Great Britain top team over here. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of air miles being clocked up. And obviously, at the moment, it's not the easiest thing to juggle. How, how do you manage that normally, let alone uh, in a in a time where people are, can't fly as freely as they would in the past. How do you manage to juggle that? Well, I would um, describe this time as being really unsure of what happens next. Uh, when can we travel and what? When can I get there? Uh, but until uh, March two thousand twenty, I used to travel all the time. I was used like um, two weeks every month. So it was a lot of air, uh, air time for me. Um, and then COVID started and everything changed. So I've been there twice during this entire time. And it's been really rough on me not to be with my team a lot. <laughs> but I'm still managing to, uh, to work as, as hard and not harder here in Israel uh, in my second team in Moshik Box. So I, I kind of manage this side of things. So far. Oh, ho hopefully things can ease up, uh, you know, in the near future. And we actually had Brad Pickett on the show, um, and he's a great guy. Obviously, in terms of British MMA, he's one of the pioneers um, over here. And you know, as as you can imagine, massively well respected. How much of an influence has he had on your career? I'd say huge huge um since i've met him i kind of switched my um my brain a little bit 
I'm just like trying to soak up as much as the one punch time as possible. Um, I love his style. I just, I just had to contact him in 2019 and say, just, I really want to train with you. So, uh, he's a, he's an amazing coach and mentor. So he has a huge impact on my life. Awesome. And as a fighter, yes, and a great guy as well, which always helps. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure. And talking of influences, um, you know, as you said, you, you followed some fights when you were 23, 24. Was there a certain fighter in particular or was there a certain, um, you know, influence, a role model that really got you into it? Is there like someone, you know, that you saw and you thought, you know what, this this fighting is for me? You know, or, or was it just a combination of watching a lot of fights over time? Well, when I watched the first fight uh, I was talking about between Misha and Ronda in Strikeforce, yeah. I didn't see any MMA fights beforehand. So basically, my first impression of MMA was women's MMA. And it took me a while until I started even watching men's fights. Um, I think... Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey, Kat Zingano, um, Chris Cyborg. This female fighter has actually made me believe that this could be a great career path for me. And this is what I wanted to. And I was following them and uh, striving to be them as much as possible. So, yeah. Great. And, um, you know, there's... I'd like to take it in a slightly different direction now because... It's hard to avoid. It is a hot topic in sport at the moment, not just in MMA, but particularly in, you know, the in female MMA. And you probably know what's coming next. We've had the issue with uh, trans athletes competing in female MMA recently. Uh, there was Alana McLaughlin um, before that Fallon Fox. What have you made of the whole situation, if any? I always had the same opinion in the matter of if women are not allowed to use steroids in um, combat sports, there is no reason for us not to believe that it changes the anatomy and the molecular levels of our body. Like it's physically proven. So that's basically all I have to say about it. So, yeah. And this topic kind of infuriates me and I'm not really, yeah. No, I understand. Um, Hopefully it will be regulated. Yeah, because at the moment, I just think it, there's no... It's the same in the Olympics, for example, where you had a similar situation with an athlete competing um, in a you know women's sport. And it just, you know, I, it looks like they're trying to put round pegs in triangular holes at the moment. There's no... It doesn't seem like they really have a solution but again, it's it's just interesting to get the perspective of it from a fighter, you know, because um, we hear a lot of journalists speaking about it. And uh, yeah, I guess it's something that m might be sorted in the near future. Who knows? Um, but, you know, having previously fought in Bellator, um, focusing a little bit on, you know, how do you think the talent within that organisation compares to others around the world? You know, they're obviously doing some great things at the moment, Bellator with, uh, you know, putting on more global events every year, building their profile, signing some really, really top talent. How do you feel they compare um, to, say, other organisations? Um, 
Well, I haven't been to that much other organizations, if at all. I started <laughs> my career with Bellator and my last fight was with Bellator. Since then, I just tried to find any fight anywhere. And um, being a free agent is uh, harder than being signed. Uh, yeah, that, I don't really know how to answer that. No, but even from my, yeah, I just I don't say, have a comparison at the moment. Like I haven't, okay. I haven't fought for any other promotion. Yeah. Literally. Okay, so. But I'm very happy to be in the, in a situation where I can find different from promotions uh, and see more of yeah. that area of MMA. Yeah, and that actually leads us on to the next question. Was, you know, something we touched on earlier. You know, having not fought in, I think, since 2019 and obviously the pandemic really hasn't helped because, you know, you, as you said, you, you're based out of the UK, uh, you know, Israel as well. Has this been one of the toughest periods in your professional career, say the last couple of years, trying to juggle everything and, you know, um, manage the situation? I would say yes, it would be the hardest two years of uh, my professional career. Only for the reason of being very healthy, uh, motivated, and very much in shape during this entire period, just waiting mm. for a fight, and it's just emotionally exhausting to be preparing for a fight that just doesn't happen. Um, mm. So in that aspect of things, it's been really tough on me. But I'm just being very hopeful that something will catch um, somewhere. And I'll be able to fight because th these are my prime years, I would say. And uh, it's a pity not to show them off. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I know you're working hard on it <laughs> from what you've been saying. Do you have information on when that might happen? Or is it are you just playing a waiting game at the moment in terms of trying to land the, you know, that a fight, um, an opportunity? Are you just at the moment waiting, waiting on that or? I cannot say I'm waiting because I'm I'm working super hard every day. I'm not in a limbo um, mm. state of mind, but it's it's in a in a situation where I'm just trying to get any kind of fight. So I'm actively searching for a fight. Yeah, and nothing comes up at the moment for the last uh, two years or so. So, um, yeah, thing I guess it's harder as well. You know, with female MMA, there's it's still, it's not as progressed as, say, the mate, you know, there's not as many fighters worldwide. Is that often the issue? And I guess on the local circuit, is there anything, you know, I, I'm not too clued up about um, MMA in Israel, but is there, you know, are they are there organizations, are they quite actively, you know, promoting it? What's the take? There are organizations. There are a lot of organizations in Israel that uh, do amateur MMA, some professional fights, but I don't have any opponents in Israel. No, I don't know many females who do MMA in my weight class, so this is not really an option. And in the, just the local uh, European area, um, I can't seem to find an opponent. So mm -hmm. that's the biggest issue at the moment. I know a lot of people are searching for fights for me. Uh, really trying to make something happen, but no one seems to say yes. So if anybody listens and they want to fight, just <laughs> let me know. <laughs> Fingers crossed, we'll try and do that for you. I mean, 
I'm sure you, you know, there's organisations in the UK and hopefully, you know, now that things are touch with opening up, there, there will be an opportunity sometime soon. Um, really hopeful, still, yeah. as hard as it is. Yeah, and having having spent quite a lot of time in the UK, obviously, how do you assess the, the circuit here again, um, you know, it's building from a female perspective. We've got Molly McCann in the UFC that's doing really well. She's probably leading the way. Do you think there's good talent coming out of the UK from the female side? Yes, 100% yes. I think, um, at least in my team, uh, we have so many different variety of great fighters, uh, female fighters, and uh, I think they're all going to shine, uh, hopefully, after this pandemic finishes. Uh, and it's amazing to see uh, Molly McCann is a, is a great fighter and I really enjoy watching her fight and watching women's MMA in UK is uh, very entertaining. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of talent. We hope, yeah. I mean, we hope that can continue for sure. And um, just for, for me, it's the last one. And then I hand over to John, you know, in fighting, they say, you know, you learn a lot more from your losses than wins and obviously you've had the opportunity to fight at a really high level against really good opponents you know Julia Bard in Bellator do you think particularly having this experience you you always takes take more away from from a loss than a win do you believe in that ethos or do you think that's just things people say um hyperbole let's say I really do think that um when you have a loss, it impacts you in a way that um, it just kind of changes you. And you learn so much from it. And it's something that never happened to me before, um, before I actually lost. So I've just learned so much about my, um, my perseverance and my, my raw emotions. Like, I really love this, um, this game and this job, <laughs> I can say, career path. So uh, it just strive me to improve every aspect of my game even harder. Because, like, my weight class, we had so many amazing fighters that have been training for the last 20, 20 years or so. Mm -hmm. And so much experience. So for me to get to that level and compete was incredible. Um, yeah, I fell short. And then I just did everything that I can to improve it for the next time. Definitely. Well, thank you. Uh, John has a few questions, so I'll hand over to John uh, at this point. Thank you so much, Olga. You're welcome. Thanks, Olga. Um, yeah, and enjoyed some of those answers there. And uh, I've got a, a few more things I want to add to, to some of those as we go along. But um, first of all, what I wanted to ask you, you mentioned when you when you first got into <laughs> MMA, it was it was women's MMA that you saw and you named some of those um, those kind of like um, high-profile fighters like, like Ronda and um, Kat and Chris and, and Misha and so on. Um, so what I want to ask you is, is women's MMAs increased its profile significantly, I mean, particularly in the last sort of decade when it's sort of come into the UFC and so on. Um, what would you say are the key milestones that have changed the trajectory for women? I mean, I know you started with it, but um, is there anything that, you, that sort of stands out that you think has really pushed the popularity worldwide for women? Uh, yeah, I think Ronda Rousey did. I think she was the first one to to make women's MMA main event, uh, pay-per-view, 
interesting fight that people really want to pay to watch. So she kind of put women's MMA on the map in that way for like the general public. Um, and then we have so many amazing, uh, amazing fights happening in the UFC and Bellator headlines uh, that have great cards in them. But the main event is female MMA. This is amazing to get to that. To that. Um, sorry, I got stuck. <laughs> I'm thinking in Hebrew and English at the same time. So sometimes, like my words get a bit. Um, no, I. I'm, I'm hugely. You know <laughs> Sorry about that. No, no, I'm very impressed with your English. Um, I, I think, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I, I remember watching um, Rhonda's uh, Hall of Fame induction for the UFC, and she makes a, a good point where she says, for ten years, she was the, the top of top of her game worldwide. Uh, you know, uh, alluding to judo, uh, and nobody cared. And she said yeah. it wasn't until. She got on that platform of, you know, um, MMA, and then and then moving into UFC. Did anybody pay attention? Um, so, do you feel that MMA has been um, been useful for for female athletes across the board, uh, and not just in combat sports? Yes, yes, of course. Even uh, Kayla Harrison, for example, uh, Sarah McMahon. Amazing fighters who didn't get so much recognition until they started uh, fighting for uh, MMA fights or the UFC. Uh, so, yes, I would say yes. Yeah. Right. I mean, another thing I think about uh, women's combat sports, I remember watching women's kickboxing about 20 years ago. And um, I noted a journalist commented that he'd never seen a bad women's fight. And I wasn't sure what he meant at the time, but what I realised was that he was alluding to the fact that male fighters will hold back sometimes. They'll they'll measure each other out a little bit more. That sometimes they'll hang back, and even if they're big hitters, they'll become a really boring fight from an entertainment perspective. But he was suggesting that when it comes to women, um, there's no often filling out process. They just just go to it straight away, and they're not afraid to get in there and mix it up. Uh, would you say that's the same thing with MMA or, or, or do you think it's become, um, or they're more measured in MMA? Uh, it's a really good question, actually. I used to think like that, for sure. Um, going into fights, uh, myself, I always thought, like, I want to perform. I want to make sure that I get enough action in there to make sure that, you know, it's still entertaining. I remember thinking that a lot, um, but now I see so many female fighters just taking a laid back um, approach to fighting and they actually can show more of their skills like that. So then the skill really shines out, I think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, I, I think as well that I, I think what we're noting in uh, women's MMA is that when you're watching uh, female fighters, and you look at them, you don't just think, oh, they're great for, for a female fighter. They're just great fighters generally. And if you were ranking female fighters, you'd rank them um, as fighters within, within sort of male categories as well, I think. So when you look at, when you look at some of the best fighters in the world, um, a lot of those are going to be female now. Um, is there any fighters who, who currently really stand out for you? Let's say if you're going to put the top 10 of fighters together with male and female, um, would you have any female fighters ranking in there? And if so, who would they be? Uh, 
Yeah, one hundred percent. I would say uh, Amanda Nunez, of course. Mm-hmm. Rosna Mayunes. Um, also, uh, Zhang Weili, of course. Yeah. Joanna, I think um, th- th- there's so many great female fighters. They just put themselves in the um, official pound for pound. Yeah. Alongside with men, and sometimes above, uh, very, very good very good fighters so um it's awesome to see that really maybe valentina shevchenko yeah, well. i was gonna say Valen- valentina yes, well. well doesn't she i think yeah i not- think she's in the rankings as well in the i'm not sure if it's in the top 10 but maybe top 20. i think when i watch fighters like like valentina i, I look at those and i think that there's going to be so many male fighters who are jealous of her of her technique and um yeah know, she's flawless yeah she's um, I remember uh, Chael Sonnen saying about her, the only thing that you can guarantee, the only thing you can predict with Valentina is that every time you see her, she'll be different. Um, and I, I think that was an interesting thing to say about her, talking about her evolution, um, how you can um, you can sort of pick her, her faults, but um, the next time she won't have them, she'll have moved on. And I, th- and I think you're seeing that a lot of female fighters. How do you, how do you feel about that for you? This is what I love about the sport, that you can always strive to get better. Even when you're amazing already, you can always find nitpick things that you want to um, you wanna improve and you want to get better. And it never stops. You never just stop and you say, okay, that's enough. You just always strive to fix things and get better every time. So I think that's what I love about the sport, which is amazing. And I think that's probably one of the useful things working with someone like like Brad, who's got um, such a such a, a legacy of, of, of fighting and coaching. Is is he helping you sort of uh, shape that path for you? Yes, definitely. Yeah. He has a huge impact on uh, on my style uh, and what I strive to be and how I want my fights to look, basically. Mm. So. That's that's an interesting way of, of of saying it. How you want your fights to look? That's um, what, what do you what do you mean by that? Is it your game plan or how you execute or what is not that just mean? game plan? I would say the intensity, the you know you know the controlled chaos thing. Mm. Just being uh, being able to perform one hundred percent of of the fight and just having fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So you mentioned performance there, and um, so from from my background, I'm a I'm a physical therapist by by profession, and um, work with a lot of uh, athletes over the years in in rehabilitation and and strength and conditioning. And you mentioned earlier on that 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 first fight where you were six months postpartum. Yes. Um, how did you how did you feel going into that, and um, how did you feel physically? Uh, because obviously that's um six months seems like a long time but it's not a huge amount of time um to recover to 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 recover one thing but then to elevate yourself to um, a level of performance that you're going to need for a combat sport um it's not a huge amount of time so how did you prepare for that yeah there was a huge risk but i would say it was 100 percent motivation and zero uh information or anything else (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I felt horrible going into the fight. I think I had um, a big abscess on my forehead as well going into the fight. So I had like a spiked fever and 
uh, and like um, breast things, and I had to uh, pump uh, milk behind the stage just prior to the the fight. And I would say it wasn't a great feeling. And um, women who start training immediately after giving birth, um, yeah, I wouldn't highly recommend being that stupid as I was. <laughs> well, I mean that that that's pretty impressive that you. <laughs> That you were uh, no, I was suffering during during this entire period. Like physically, you, it didn't feel good. So we were, were you um, were you breastfeeding throughout the training period as well? Yes, <laughs> like it was attached to me twenty four seven, and he was going to trainings with me, and I was running with him in a stroller. <laughs> wow. Well, this this leads me on to this this last question I've got for you, and. Um, and it's great that you've said that because I think it really opens this up. And again, as I say, as a, as a physical therapist, this is something that we discuss all the time in um, with sort of male and female sports. Um, as, as women elevate their level in previously male-dominated sports, let's say things like soccer and um, combat sports, which have always been very, very male-dominated. So you have a, a legacy of male coaches uh, and so on. Um, what do you think uh, about these um, these unique challenges that, that face women um, in these, you know, things like, um, um, you, know, you know, breastfeeding or, or, or menstruation and so on, and how they affect things like intensity and recovery? Um, are you seeing any... Um, you see any improvements in coaching or, or strength and conditioning or any of the, you know, the, the support uh, facilities to, to support that and to recognize that uh, a high intensity, high training female athlete um, may need other things to help her recover and, and, and train and so on. You see any support uh, for that? Well, I don't know how it is in the, in other places and, and other, um, other teams, but, uh, we have like 10, 10 women that train together. So it is kind of a hot topic in the gym. I, I cannot say it's avoidable in any way, but I think still uh, it's not given enough, um, I'd say, airtime, this topic. Everything that has to do with female uh, health, it's just not getting enough coverage. Because uh, no matter what, when women uh, are menstruating, they're not going to perform 100%. There is no way. So even if you feel great, it's not going to be 100% great. Yeah. yeah. Not getting enough, you know, talked about. It's, it's yeah, it's, I, I lecture in um, um, sports injuries and sports performance and, and women's health and, and so on clinically. And it, it's something that I'll talk about is, you know, the... Um, the fact that you have a finite capacity to recover, which means that if your body is busy doing other things like like breastfeeding or or, or so on, then that's going to have a, a, a definitive impact uh, on your on your training. And so, you know, things have to be sort of put in place or supported to enable you to uh, recover. Really, uh, did you find that when you were, um, uh, you know, when you were coming back after um, uh, after pregnancy? Yes, of course. Recovery was a bitch. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it was pretty bad. I remember that uh, I got low kicked. Not really hard, but mm. it felt like my 
my bones were leaving my body at the same time. Okay. I understand that relaxing, uh, it takes about nine months for it to just kind of go out of your system. Mm. And until then, everything is so flexible and bendy and uncomfortable. So no one talks about it, started training. And I remember at that time, I was in a, in a situation where I was like, I'm going to hide it. I'm going to hide what I feel because I want to seem uh, less strong than usual. Like, I don't want people to know I'm hurting in any way. So I just didn't talk about it till now, basically. <laughs> well, that, that's, it's an interesting thing you say no one's talked about it because obviously, to me, you seem, you seem very knowledgeable, not just personally on the subject, but, you know, when you're talking about relaxing and how that affects the system um and so on so you, you seem clinically knowledgeable as well to some degree there because obviously that's going to affect um knee bars arm bars you know ankle locks everything everything where you're getting into a, a submission is going to be influenced by relaxing um and the instability it could potentially be causing um so i think you, you raised a point there with that yeah yeah i remember that being very, uh, very uncomfortable for me to get into uh, any kind of locks, arm bars, anything was really bad. But it took about like a year for it to just be much better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think as well, what, what I'll take from that is you mentioned that nobody's talking about it. Well, Olga, perhaps you and I should go on air and talk about it to people and uh, then they can understand from firsthand from you uh, what it's all about. Sure, why not? I would love to. We should do something with that. And also, like speaking about uh, menstruating during fights, I can tell you, in fact, that there was not one fight that I fought professionally that I wasn't during my period. <laughs> and that's and that's a fact. Every fight, it got worse and worse. The Julia fight was the worst. That was by far the worst. Uh, going into uh, weight cutting and everything. Um, not not being able to cut as fast as I wanted to or just too fast and just feeling bad. Um, you have no control over your body during your, this period of time. So I do understand why female uh, tend to use the subject as a matter of like, I didn't make weight because I had my period. But in fact, the, the, this should not be a reason for them not to. But just be aware this happens to your body and you need to take better care of it beforehand. Just not expect yourself to lose uh, 15, uh, 15 pounds of water weight during that time. Well, I th yeah, I mean, you make an excellent point there. And, and I think that's not something that probably isn't um, talked about too much. But I, I think you're right. You know, when we look at what your body's trying to do uh, during that time um, and what uh, conversely you're trying to make it do at that time it's trying to hold on to weight or well, you're desperately trying to lose it so you, you're fighting physiology there which is always going to be um always going to be difficult um, yeah you're fighting two people at the same night yeah sorry what was that i didn't didn't catch you there i uh, sorry i said like it's fighting two people at the same night <laughs> yeah exactly that you make a good point yeah it is it is fighting two two people in one night um and i think it's, it's understanding that and, and i think that's something that perhaps you know as women's mma grows it's something that male coaches are going to need to understand um, until there's more and more female coaches coming through who can talk about it firsthand as well and educate but i think it, 
we we should be adding this into our performance and sports science repertoire um not just waiting for anecdotal comments but also you know thinking forward about it and how do we inform the young female fighters coming through about things they can do to avoid um, um, avoid some of the things that you've had to face through experience, perhaps? Yes, yeah. yes, definitely. Yeah, oh, that's brilliant. So Learn on the go and <laughs> sometimes the things that you do are not really good for you. Yeah. So uh, if, if you can talk about it and make other people maybe think otherwise, why not? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I, on that note, actually, I, I'd like to come back back to you another time and we can uh, sit down and talk about that in, in more depth and maybe come up with some um, some answers and some ideas about what female fighters should be doing um, when they're training, when they're recovering and um, um, when they're arranging fights and, and working out those diaries and calendars. <laughs> so, you know, uh, see when the best but time is. Say it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you do. <laughs> Yeah. When your body's stressed, you might start your period sometimes. Yeah. It's just not in the right time. So it, it is what it is. It's just a matter of educating about it, that it's not it's not bad to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. As I say, I, I um I talk about um and uh, educate on, on sports and, and women's health all the time. Um from a clinical perspective, obviously not from a personal perspective, but um but I think uh you know male coaches need to understand there's a difference physiologically between between men and women um, and um, you, you need to account for that it's the same as when you um, train um, children or adolescents you know it's different they're not small adults you know they they're physically they're different um, the and, hormone levels are different sorry the hormone levels are different yeah, yeah definitely so you'll get different responses this brings you, us back to the first topic yeah women yeah. fighting uh people with hormones <laughs> yeah there's, there's physiological differences yeah well that's that's great olga I, I really enjoyed that that insight particularly at the end um and um i'd, I'd love to catch up with you again and, and talk in more detail about those and uh, share that with uh, other female fighters because i think you've got a um um you've got a, a, a huge value there to, to share with those with those um new fighters coming through and maybe some of the some of the ones been around a little bit longer who, who could probably use some help with that as well yeah yeah <laughs> i would love to thank you so much yeah that was really interesting a lot you know a lot of news to me um from both you guys so there's definitely an angle worth approaching here and a lot of education to be done on it i think definitely the just the final thing i think is olga just um if you can just plug your socials, you're on Instagram, Twitter and all the rest of it. Where can people um, follow you and find out more about you? Uh, sure. Should so I just it, say it? Yeah, it's uh, Olga Rubin on Instagram. Yes, it's Olga uh, underscore uh, Rubin underscore MMA. Great. Any other um, social media channels? I know there's TikToks nowadays, which I'm not on, but some fighters are. Twitter, any other social channels? Uh, yes, TikTok. Uh, it's uh, Big Bad Olga. Uh, <laughs> we need to get on that, I think, John, because we yeah. had Sam Alvey on here and he, he was like an advocate. Good, for guys, you need to evolve. I know, <laughs> I know. 
we were stuck in the Stone Age, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, <Very> thank, <laughs> thank you so much. And um, we'll definitely uh, bookmark something for later on in the future um, for uh, another follow up interview. Hopefully by that point, you know, you'll have a fight lined up and um, we can discuss that in more detail. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> Thank, thank you all for your time. That was thank wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. All the best. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye.